Welcome to a Life of Freedom podcast, your source of inspiration and information on how and why you should choose to pursue your own happiness, pursue your passion, and design a life that fulfills you and makes it your own. And now here's your host, Ayesh LKZ. This is a special episode on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency with Chris MM Crypto. Let's get to the show. First of all, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. So let us know uh, like who you are and what you do and how did you start it? Um, yeah, for everyone who doesn't know, I have a YouTube channel. I um, actually studied economics back in the days. And okay. then I found out about Bitcoin. Uh, probably some of the people watching, listening, heard about Bitcoin before. So um, I found out about Bitcoin. I found out why it's valuable. So I started investing and it was going very well. So I thought, well, I, I want to share it with, um, with everyone. Just like you are sharing your knowledge or content about travel. Um, yeah. I want to do the same about Bitcoin, about investing, financial freedom, the monetary system, central banks. And well, yeah, that's why I started. I, I kept on pushing and um, I'm still doing it. Uh, what was the year you started with Bitcoin? Oh, it, actually, I didn't start so early. Like I know many people, they started like in 2011, yeah. 2010. They bought Bitcoin at $1. So I was rather late. I bought in the beginning of 2017. Okay. Right? So I, 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 I thought, well, that's late. But even if someone comes to me now, um, I would say it's still not too late, right? It's not too late to, to buy Bitcoin uh, as long as you just hold for five years. Well, this is now four years ago. And if I bought at closely below $1,000, well, we are at 50x right now, right? Yeah. So I'm, I, I think something similar to that is still possible within the next five years or so. So it's not too late. I started in 2017. I thought it's too late. That was another reason why I started with the channel. Because not yeah. only that I wanted to share my knowledge, I also wanted to build a business around it and get a passive income stream or a passive and active income stream where I'm getting paid in Bitcoin uh, just yeah. on top of my passion talking to people about Bitcoin. So, yeah, that's when I started and it's also um, a reason for the channel. Yeah, that's good. How would you explain Bitcoin uh, to someone who's new to crypto who doesn't understand concepts? I would start explaining the monetary system how currency is created by central banks. It's not easy to understand for someone who's completely on the outside, but basically, um, to put it in very easy words, the whole world is based on a fiat currency system. So we have 84 central banks. These central banks are printing currency. Now it's not printing anymore. It's just a digital number. And what, are they, what they are doing is they are creating this currency, whether it's US dollars, euros, or whatever, and they are pumping it into the economy through secondary markets. So what happens in the, in the end of the day, everyone who gets a paycheck, let's say it's like $2,000, and they are saving $1,000 for bad times in the future, these savings, they devalue um, in value over time. So $1,000, probably many people know, $1,000 you have today on your bank account will not buy you the same things in 10 years. In 10 years, you will maybe only be able to buy 80% less, right? So if you are able to buy maybe um, 100 kilograms of food for that, well, yeah. it will be only 20 kilograms of food in 10 years. And this is di- a dilution of the purchasing power. And it's actually a system of the central banks to um, 
redistribute wealth from the lower and middle class towards the upper class, to the rich class. And of course, it's very unfair when there are just a few beneficiaries and the most people are actually losing. So Bitcoin yeah. is a very nice scapegoat for that because you cannot just print Bitcoin. You cannot print Bitcoin. You cannot just put a digital number and say, this is Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is decentralized. And um, there's no central institution like a central bank, which can say, okay, now we are going to inflate Bitcoin. Now we are going to um, higher the inflation rate and devalue the purchasing power of the Bitcoin holders because yeah. Bitcoin is absolutely scarce. There are only 21 million um, in maximum supply eventually. And um, that's why it's beautiful. If you put um, money today into Bitcoin, you know you will always have a specific percentage of the maximum supply. And this is what drives the price forward. And this is why Bitcoin increases in value over time, because in the end of the day, it's just measured in US dollars. So when US dollar is going down through all the printing, yeah. things measured in US dollar are going up. And that's not only for food. I talked about that, not only about for gold, for silver, but especially for something like Bitcoin, which cannot just be created out of thin air. Yeah. Okay. So in Bitcoin, so the sub-government banned the Bitcoin like Nigeria and some entities are adopting Bitcoin like in Miami. So how would you say the future would be? So how would you say that governments uh, would react to Bitcoin in the future? Mm. Or, yeah, that's, that's a good question. So that's actually two nice examples. Yeah. Um, you have on the one hand, you have a country like Nigeria banning Bitcoin. So usually many people are afraid of these government bans because they can make Bitcoin illegal. And then what many people think is it's just stopping. It's not getting used. But Nigeria is a very nice example. If you ban Bitcoin, people are still using it because it's decentralized. You don't have just a bank which is saying, no, you can't buy Bitcoin anymore. It's peer to peer. So what happened in Nigeria after the ban is that people still, they met up in person and they are still OTC transacting Bitcoin. So in the end of the day, the price, there was just a huge premium on Bitcoin in Nigeria and Bitcoin is trading now, they're like 40% higher. So we just see if governments are trying to ban it, people are using it regardless. It's like with drugs, right? Drugs are illegalized and many of them are very horrible, of course. But in the end of the day, people are still using it. So yeah. what, the, the, what the healthy and good approach is, not only for Bitcoin holders, but even for governments, is to regulate it in a healthy way. So Miami is adopting it. People can pay their taxes in Bitcoin. Um, people get, can get a percentage of their salary in Bitcoin. Uh, Miami itself, they want to invest in that. So if you as a government regulate it in a healthy way, like Miami is now on the verge of doing so, they can even have full transparency of all Bitcoin holders. You know, like from the Bitcoin blockchain, you can see when something is sent from A to B, from B to C, you can always track these transactions. Governments love that, actually. So the smartest thing would be actually to um, healthily regulate it, especially if the price is going through the roof. Um, every government could use some, some Bitcoin in their treasury. So um, that was a good question. And I think for most governments, um, the way to go is rather to go the Miami approach than the Nigeria approach, because we saw what happened. Yeah. So how would you see the market behavior today uh, and compared to 2017? How, how is it different? Um, it's getting very similar, to be honest. Like we are getting into this euphoria stage. But um, I would say it's similar, but the price is also more than double. Um, in the end of the day, this is how bull markets end. So I'm not saying that this is the end of the bull market. I personally expect much higher prices. 
but I would say it's the beginning of the end. So maybe we see another 8x or so, right? But um, it's not going to go on like this for two years. I'm very sure about that. Um, now it feels a little bit like maybe April 2017, May 2017, yeah. right? When we already had many, many months of upwards price actions. The altcoins started exploding. They started exploding in April 2017. It really feels very similar to that. And well, April, May was the beginning of the end. We only had like seven, eight more months and then it was yeah. over. We had another bear market. I think something, something similar might be happening this time. Maybe it's only going to be four months. Maybe it's going to be 10 more months. But uh, for sure, it's not, in my opinion, it's not going to be more than a year or so. Um, it's just um, how market cycles work, right? They can't make everyone profitable for, forever. We, we, need, um, we need these bull runs, but then we need severe bear runs for at least a year where everyone is shaken out, where many people get punished, and especially the people um, joining last will uh, lose a lot of money by buying and selling. So everyone who is watching today, it actually doesn't matter whether you buy today, whether you buy five months ago, or maybe even in five months at the bull market high, or maybe in eight months at the bull market high. It wouldn't be a problem if your time horizon is five years. So let's say Bitcoin goes to 400,000 US dollars, and you buy at 400,000 US dollars. Well, it would feel horrible because the price goes down, right? And um, you are probably unprofitable for quite some time. But if you have a five years time horizon, it's um, pretty pretty um, secure that you will be profitable as long as you are holding it, not just buying and selling on a daily basis. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who wouldn't invest in Bitcoin because uh, of it's like, it is, if it's not like FDI insured and, uh, and it's uh, like more volatile, what would you say to someone? Well, um, I, I don't give so much on the FDIC insurance because... Um, yeah, because in the end of the day, all the money you have, all the US dollar you have on your bank account, well, maybe they're insured up to 100,000 or to a million. But in the end of the day, all US dollar you're holding on your bank account, is, it's based on debt. It's actually yeah. not your money. If you have $10 million on your bank account, try to go to the bank and withdraw it. They will not give it to you. You have to make a request. You have to wait. You have to tell them reasons why you have your own money. Right? It's not your yeah. money. It's based on debt. What happens if you um, pull over uh, $1,000, for example, or $100? Let's say $100, you um, deposit it on your bank. What happens in the same moment? This bank takes your money and they are lending it to someone else. They are taking your money, lending it to someone else, and even charging you now negative interest rate for giving them the money they can charge to someone else and make money on your money. So, so in the end of the day, it's just a huge pyramid system. So, um, well, you can put your US dollars on a bank account, but you will lose purchasing power. They will give it away. It's not your money anymore. And well, then it's insured, but it's not, not your money, which is insured. So this is why I personally think I'd rather be my own bank. I hold Bitcoin, which is in my possession. No one can tell me what to do with it. No one can prevent me from sending it from A to B. And uh, this is a very powerful thing. And then things like an FDIC insurance just seem like very ironic uh, in, this, in this regard. So uh, my choice is Bitcoin for sure. Yeah. What would you advise to someone like new to investing in Bitcoin? So would you say like how much of a, how much percentage of the portfolio should they have Bitcoin? Should they have other coins like Ethereum? So to answer that question, it's, um, it's different from person to person. It depends on your risk return uh, profile, right? So I have a very high risk tolerance. So I went all in, not only with all the money I had, which was not so much back in the days, 
um, but also with all my time, with my dedication, with the energy, like all my life is pulled towards it. So I'm all in. But it's yeah. not recommended for everyone, right? Because there's a failure rate. And um, for example, if, if you're, you're asking me as a hedge fund, I would say put in 1%, 2%. Because yeah. this already will impact your whole portfolio return significantly. And yeah, the, the people investing in your hedge fund would never accept more than 1% or 2%. So this is also different. Me, 100%, hedge fund 1% or 2%. And if you are, for example, a housewife or so, or like whatever, a worker, then I would put a percentage of the disposable income every single month into Bitcoin. How much this is, I can't really say. It must be something between 1% and 100%. And um, it should be for sure, for sure something you are willing to lose in the worst case. It's, in my opinion, a very unprofitable case. But um, let's say you can say, okay, 20% of my money, I'm, I'm able to afford, uh, I afford to lose in the worst case, then 20% is the right number. If you say, well, I can't afford to lose 20%, like 5% is the maximum I can afford to lose, put 5% in. And um, then, well, if it's gone, your downside is 100%. You knew that about, about that already before, but the upside is 100x, 200x. So this is why I think Bitcoin has extreme asymmetric returns, potential returns. And um, yeah, I, I personally, I would put in as much as possible, but not more than you can afford to lose. Yeah, you're an expert expert trading Bitcoin. So, how would uh, someone, if someone wants to start trading Bitcoin, how would someone start? What what kind of resources they should use? How much time does it take to be uh, ah. like a good trader? So, before you ask whether they should buy something else, I think Bitcoin is the best choice. Yeah, if you really want to gamble or whatever. Like, I'm also holding Ethereum. I'm holding some other altcoins also, but this is really high risk capital. Whereas Bitcoin for me personally is almost a certainty, these altcoins are always a speculative risk. And the high likelihood of them to go to zero is way higher than for Bitcoin. The upside is also extremely high. So um, what I would personally do is I would put 80% in Bitcoin, 20% in altcoins. And then um, to answer your, your last question about uh, trading, so for someone who wants to get into trading, I would still recommend to put the most of your investment into Bitcoin. Just buy it, hold it, don't touch it ever. Right? Just buy and hold. This is the certainty approach. And um, then if you really want to um, trade, take a small dedicated part out of your portfolio, which you're willing to lose, and um, start trading with it. There are even test nets out there. You can trade with it. And it takes some time. You have to lose some money and you have it, it has to be painful a little bit. Um, what I would recommend, with, which is important, let's say you take 10% out of your portfolio into a trading portfolio. If these 10% are gone, don't take another 10% from your holding portfolio into the trading portfolio because eventually people are also developing addictions and they are losing everything they have. And it's, it's really not recommended. If you are a strong personality and you really want to seriously learn about trading, well, take a small percentage. If you have $1,000 in your portfolio, make 50 cent trades, $1 trades or so. Like just, uh, just start, see if it, how it goes, uh, exclude psychology. And um, after time, it should work well, but it, it takes it takes some time. It took me some time as well. Okay, great. So thank you. Uh, it's a great great having you here. Alicia. Thank you very much for having me, man. Cool show. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Great to meet you. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Thank you for listening to our conversation. Please leave a review and subscribe from wherever you listen to our podcast. See you next time.